Pie. This is And the Oscar Doesn't Go To. I'm Sam Meltzer, and on this podcast, a guest and myself will be discussing the films that received Best Picture nominations, yet not only failed to win that award, but didn't take home any trophies on Oscar night. Today, I will be joined by returning guest Gordon McNulty. You heard from him last on our episode about The Elephant Man, and on his podcast, The Lone Acting Nominees, where he and I discussed Peter O'Toole in The Ruling Class. Gordon, thank you for coming back on. Welcome. It is a pleasure to be back talking about a movie that we have very different opinions on. I'm excited to talk about it. It's going to be oh gonna be yes, one. it's going to be fun. Yes, today we will be discussing Lawrence Kasdan's The Big Chill, which was released in 1983 and got three nominations. Why did you select it? So. Uh, you mentioned after we recorded our Elephant Man episode, we talked for a while, and you said that uh, you wanted to cover a movie that we had very different opinions about, like a movie that I liked and you didn't, or vice versa. And I didn't know your opinion of this movie, but based on like the reputation it has, I I guessed, probably guessed correctly, uh, that you weren't going to be as much of a fan of this movie. And I had seen it for the first time last year because I did a class on Glenn Close like it's it's an acting class through the school's theater program and whenever this uh, professor teaches this class it's about like the history of acting and each week we talk about like different acting styles different acting schools or whatever but he focuses it through the lens of a different actor like he's taught Meryl Streep and Denzel Washington and some other actors in the past and I happened to uh, come across the class the semester that he was teaching Glenn Close. And I thought, hey, that would be great. I still have a lot of her movies that I still haven't seen. It'll be a nice way to like learn more about her and see a lot of her movies. And this was, I mean, we went chronologically more or less through the big films in her career. And this was one of the early ones that we watched because it's like her second movie ever. And I was pleasantly surprised uh, by this movie that I know has, you know, not the best reputation generally. Uh, and I know people kind of, think it's cheesy it hasn't held up all that well and I'll give you that it, it's not it's not a masterpiece by any means but I uh, I really liked it I really uh, connected with it in some ways that I wasn't expecting to I think all of the performance are generally very good and it, it's a it's a fun time for it as much as a, a, a movie about this subject matter can be fun and I, I assumed you probably wouldn't share those opinions so you know it would be fun to talk about and I'm I'm hoping that it will be fun to talk about, despite our differing opinions. I that's great. Um, do you want to just? <laughs> I love that for you. I love that for you. Yeah, that's that's where we're going with it. Yeah, no, no, you're not alone. My parents like this movie too. Uh, so there you go. And it's yeah. not like it's not like hated by I think I think what it is the general groups I just think it's forgotten I think what it is is that it was a big hit in its time like it was a huge phenomenon when it came out the biggest the highest grossing of the best picture nominees except for terms of endearment yeah that's not surprising um but it was like a big cultural thing largely because of the soundtrack and like a lot of people that you know were around this age or a little bit younger when it came out, excuse me, connected with it in a lot of ways and sort of like had that emotional connection. And then in the years that have gone by, 
as society has changed and different, you know, opinions have changed, younger people have looked back on it and like not been able to connect with it for the most part because of, you know, things change. And that's just how it is. A movie that's so ingrained in the specific era, the specific generation of, you know, of thought and of growing up in the 60s and 70s and then being of this age in the early 80s, like people that didn't grow up with that experience are generally maybe not going to connect with it as much. And I mean, obviously I am not uh, remotely of that generation, but I, I still found parts of this movie to like. And, but also I understand why people don't like it. I am not like confused by the general sort of eh that a lot of people seem to uh, react to this movie with these days. I think the thing for me is that this is one of those movies that you either expect to be mindless fun or meaningful, relatable, and overall moving in in the comedy drama genre. Um, But unfortunately for me, I watched it and didn't find myself going in either of those paths yeah. which I think was what the film was going for um but oh my god again on another one of our recordings there's just a really loud police car outside like oh every boy. time um uh, yeah no I, I just I just take issue with the fact that it's one of the the types of hangout movies that is just kind of a collection of characters revealing what they've done and doing little things that aren't interesting. And it's supposed to be so relatable when I couldn't connect with a single thing that one of these characters were doing. And maybe I, I didn't have a f- group of friends like this and I'm not gonna have to d- go through something like this. Maybe that's why, but I just think it's overall very, toned down and it feels like there's nothing at stake and everything is just kind of there happening and nothing really matters it it feels like the film doesn't have a thesis and that it isn't trying to communicate anything at all and that's not necessarily an issue but when it when I think a main goal of it for enjoyment is again the loud car outside I think the main goal of it for enjoyment is being able to emotionally resonate with it and it has this tone I can't do that yeah and like I get that it it can be tough to connect with a movie that is so however you would describe this movie but for one I'm always a fan of a movie that's just a bunch of people that know each other and have like a long complicated history with one another just hanging out and sort of hashing out some of their past I'm always a fan of that I also think that like the movie knows it doesn't have a thesis and you get that mainly in the fact that uh Alex didn't leave a suicide note and they talk about that for a while and how like he didn't necessarily give them a reason for why he did what he did and the movie is just a bunch of characters trying to uh trying to parse that trying to like you know uh what's the word I'm thinking of trying to like uh grapple with the fact that something so monumental could happen without a reason that they know and i i i also think that like there there is there's more layers to this that you unpack the more you look at it like when you realize that all of these characters obviously came here for the funeral but also came here with a different sort of motive whether they knew it or not like uh michael came there to get investors for this club he wants to open and meg came 
also because she wants to get pregnant. And Karen, because she wants to tell Sam that she's in love with him. And like, they all have a kind of selfish reason for being here for this funeral. I mean, mostly. There, there's, uh, there's a few that like, like I would say Nick is the one that doesn't have an ulterior motive for being here. Nick is just all sorts of fucked up and knows it and is just kind of like trying to get these other people to face the facts that like they're also kind of fucked up and you just got to admit it and you just got to like, but also do you have to, because he's, you know, the least stable, least in control of his life, but he knows it. It's a, there's, these characters are flawed and some of them know it and some of them don't. And the whole impetus for this weekend together is forcing them all to come to terms with the fact that they have these flaws and the flaws are so directly tied with the fact that they know and love all of each other and I think that's what the thesis of this movie is is that you know growing up is you you don't always grow up even when you age even when you get older you're still going to be the like fucked up college kids that have weird love triangles and are fucking around behind each other's backs and are doing drugs and are you know cheating on business stuff and you know sometimes one of your friends in college is a successful tv actor and that's just life that's just how it is i see what you're saying and that there are a lot of these themes about manipulation and aging and adolescence and this reflection of it that I understand watching it and getting a kick out of that because it does do a good job at establishing the characters um I don't think that's my issue with it I think that a lot of the film is rooted in the fact that it's just it's it's these high context relationships and it is difficult to introduce information without constantly revealing things yeah. in high context relationships because all of them know each other so well and uh i think that the film has the excuse of we're allowed to talk about all these love triangles all these events in the past the jobs intertwining amongst the people the jealousy lurking amongst it we're they're allowed to do that because there are no low context relationships here there's no scene where they go to some interview interviewer and are saying oh this is what my life is or at, they don't you we don't really see their job perspectives in a way that establishes who they are it's all just through this conversation and I think the film is aware of that um and I knows what it's, it's doing there. yeah and I think that I think everyone's pretty well cast too and I think that is really the reason why it did so well yeah I think it's very aware of the fact uh, that you, you were saying about how these relationships are all very closely tied to their past because I think the inclusion of the Chloe character is a really smart thing on this movie's behalf to have someone younger and but like the only person of these eight that was you know directly involved with Alex for the past couple months like he, she's the only one that knew him intimately anytime recently uh Sarah knew him intimately if you know what I mean but having the Chloe character the like slightly younger generation who is you know just as fucked up as them I think that's what the movie's saying the juxtaposition yeah yeah like and she is there to sort of tug at some of these relationships and some of these connections and her sort of connections with Nick and uh, Michael in particular I think are 
especially uh, telling about who these characters are. Also, I've been calling these characters by their uh, characters' names because I wrote them down. I wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. Oh, we no. should probably refresh for people that haven't seen the movie recently. Ah, so, are uh, we going to do a cast drawing? <laughs> yeah, I have I have the cast written down as they're credited, they're wow. credited al- alphabetically, just so that I would be able to remember. Like that's I wrote it down so that I could remember in conversation. So Tom Berenger is Sam. Uh, Glenn Close is Sarah. Jeff Goldblum is Michael. William Hurt is Nick. Kevin Klein is Harold, Mary Kay Place is Meg, Meg Tilly is Chloe, and Joe Beth Williams is Karen. So that's who everyone is. It's a like for as much as movies of this era will sometimes have an ensemble cast with a couple people that got really famous and then some that kind of fell by the wayside. All eight of these people are like notable actors that like mm. you you know by name. I, I think it's uh I and they intentionally cast eight people that were all roughly around the same age and roughly around the same point in their career like right about to blow up for the most part aside from like like at this time probably glenn close was the biggest and she had only been in one movie at that point so it, it really goes to show that like it, it's smart casting that yeah. you're casting these people that will all go on to have very fruitful careers and i think this is going to sound strange but other than glenn close i don't love any of these actors maybe that's part of it that could be it and even with glenn there are so many performances of hers that i don't like at all yeah so do i even like adore glenn close or am i just saying that is it just (laughs) is it just what twitter has done to you it's just the two in the late 80s those back to back um i I don't know i i like a lot of these actors generally i i have like well jeff goldblum i like but i'm not a fan yeah william hurt yeah I think this is William Hurt's best performance. I'll say that. I don't think that exists. I think he's very good here. I (laughs) I don't think his best performance exists. I also love Kevin Klein. Just I I enjoy him in In and Out and A Fish Called Wanda. So maybe he's he's great in A Fish Called Wanda. Yeah, he's. I and he's also like of these eight performances, he's probably my least favorite of these eight, just because he's he's doing a weird accent and it doesn't quite work. And uh, he's such a funny guy. And to have him be, like, the least funny character, I guess? I don't know. He has the least comedic character of these eight. Uh, It just feels like it's a little bit stifling of his talents. And Mm. he really... I think he auditioned for the Michael role, the one that ended up going to Jeff Goldblum, because it was the funniest one. Uh, And (laughs) it went to Goldblum, who is also very funny, and I think a better fit. I don't think Kevin Klein would have worked very well in that role. But... I don't I don't know. I, I think he's good here, but he's the one that wows me the least. I again they all just kind of blend into one for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I I can see like sometimes going back to this, it had been since last fall or whatever when I watched it, and some of the storylines kind of blended together for me about who was involved with what storyline. But yeah. refreshing it on this, I, I think I have a much better grasp of where everything lies and i i understand a lot more of the uh intricacies of these intertwining relationships yes i'm not going to get too deep into the plot as i normally do i'm just going to briefly explain it because it is not much it's it is a hangout movie so there's not yeah much most of my most of my plot notes are like here's five things that happen that change (laughs) actual plot points and then it's just a bunch of little things i wrote down yeah but so essentially Alex Marshall, the friend, 
a, uh, the friend from college of this group of people commits suicide and they all go to his funeral and they all are like, oh, we haven't seen each other in so long. We should have a reunion. So they decide to stay together in this mansion. Yeah. He's been, um, uh, so, so it, the, the mansion belongs to uh, Sarah and Harold. Yes. Who but, are, and Kevin Klein. They've been renting it out to him and his girlfriend uh, for a while. And so they and have they the, the, the reception. Yeah, they yes, have the and, and, yeah, and then they, yeah. and then they, it turns into a longer, sort of vacationy type thing. A weekend, and like, essentially, the, the essentially the weekend is just them talking about their pasts and connecting and revealing things. I, it, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a complete narrative. Yeah. So that's each, why I'm not really going to go into the yeah. plot, just because it's it's like loose. Each, each character has their own sort of subplot. There's not an overarching yeah. plot yeah. to it necessarily. Like because it is just kind of friends at a mansion chilling. Yeah, like Sam's just gotten divorced. Karen's always been in love with him. She wants to leave her husband for him. Nick is a veteran who used to have a radio psychology show who then quit that. Now he sells drugs. Also, See, the way you're describing this makes it seem melodramatic. And I kind of wish it was melodramatic. Yeah, Because then I, I would have been able to yeah. feed into it like a soap opera. <gasps> Imagine yeah. if this was a Spanish soap opera. Holy shit. That would be so good. They oh did a God. TV like direct adaptation of this. It's called like The House or something, something weird like that. What's it called? Yeah, but I, I want looked it to be like up. a Spanish soap opera. That yeah. would be amazing. Oh, uh, now, what was the name of this show? Hometown is the Hometown. name of the Hometown. What yeah. is this? It didn't look like anyone that oh, I knew was in it. What type uh, of Hallmark <laughs> Lifetime yeah. channel? <laughs> I mean, is this wouldn't be surprised if it actually was on one of those channels. Um, but yeah, there, there's some oh, interesting. It says lifestyle is the genre. Sorry, I got. Oh, oh wow, oh, 53 episodes. That wow, that's like a that's like a whole year or so. <laughs> probably two years. It's probably like two seasons with the split in between. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like there, there's okay. So which of the character plots? was most interesting to you like which was the one whenever it kept cutting back like not performance level not like actor level but like the actual character plot which one uh if any was most interesting to you the one about nick and harold and the whole job situation there yeah um, with like the jealousy and this sort of adult um division between occupational positions i didn't think it was good <laughs> but it definitely was the one that hooked me the most just because yeah, with, it, it with is like the insider trading the stuff to grasp yeah, yeah it is the easiest to grasp onto um but I, but but a moment that i liked the most in the beginning was at the funeral when they played the song and that's sort of like the beginning of them all connecting that was like oh yeah. wow like this is so promising that was that was a great yeah moment. i mean it's a movie that is most known nowadays for its soundtrack which is like well a compilation of like the greatest sort of cool songs of the 60s and it's a great soundtrack like i've uh yeah uh my family when i go to visit them in michigan uh they have like a record player at the lake house where we stay and they have this album on vinyl and we'll put that on sometimes just as like background music it is great for an afternoon of listening um but yeah, the first two tracks, I think, are probably the strongest in direct relation to how they're used in the movie with uh, 
heard it through the grapevine as the opening credits where it's showing basically all of these people in the immediate aftermath of finding yeah. out that Alex has died. That was good too. Funeral. Because they but, all have yeah. different reactions. They do. And it's it, like you get, I mean, it opens first with Kevin Klein oh, yeah. and his song in the bathtub. <laughs> do you know what I, do you know what the first thing I thought when I rewatched this, when I, that first shot happened, I, I groaned because it has that 80s cinematography that I just hate. I hate yeah. the way 80s movies look. Like maybe maybe it's just the Oscar center that I'm looking at because all the foreign films from the 80s that I've seen have not looked like that. But yeah. all these, they have this style that just irks me. And I don't know what it is because it isn't actively ugly. It isn't terribly bland. It just flat. has it's this flat. style that really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, the colors are all pretty flat. Um, yeah, and this is like yeah. one of the prime examples of that. Like all the, honestly, so many of the movies nominated at the 83 Oscars looked like this. And it it's just so annoying. <laughs> what? What won Best Cinematography this year? I mean, probably F- Fanny Alexander, right? Oh, I, I know that so. won a bunch of tech Best. stuff. I'm just going to pull up this year. It was Fanny and Alexander. Thank God. Okay, good. good. Yeah, that's a good oh one. Oh, my God. What else do we have here? Flashdance. The right stuff. The right stuff looks good. Yeah. Right? And then there's, I know, I know there was one nominee in the category that just absolutely did not deserve to be there. Uh, which one? What are you, what are you arguing here? Uh, oh, no, never mind. That was in production design. This is actually oh, a fun what was in What was in production design? I think what? something really weird was. Let me. Oh, what is it? Art direction. Return of the Jedi. Terms of, Endear- Terms Terms of Endearment. Getting a production what? design nomination is... That's, it's just isn't, a house. isn't it just houses and hospitals? It's just houses and hospitals. <laughs> houses and hospitals, the movie. It's Terms like if, if the big chill got a production design nomination, but I would understand that more. Yeah, because like the house is such, a, is such a thing. Like the house in the big chill is more of a, 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 like a specific set yeah. of character than the house in terms of endearment. I honestly yeah. wouldn't have been too upset at that. Yeah, but Terms of Endearment. I love it. I'm, so, I love I'm good... so happy that Terms of Endearment didn't get a cinematography nomination. Yeah. That would be you a You could see that happening. You could see that yeah. absolutely Oh my happening. God, yeah. Uh, what, was, what were we talking about before? Oh, mm. no, the songs. Uh, the yeah. of the Grapevine, I think, is a really well used, probably the, maybe not the best, because I, I, I really like that you can't always get what you want. How it starts with, uh, I think it's Karen, goes up and plays it on the organ as like this is one of Alex's favorite Alex's favorite songs. We're going to play it as we as the pallbearers bring uh, the casket out to the van to take it to the cemetery, and she starts playing. You can't always get what you want, and oh, like yeah. it cuts to like Jeff Goldblum and William Hurt and Glenn Close, like all like through their tears, just like smiling a little bit of like, oh yeah, he did really like this song. Yeah, so it then they all kind of funny. started smiling yeah. and laughing. I, uh, that, like, that's I don't know. You make me feel moment. like a natural woman. Is uh, yeah. I mean, they're all favorite. good songs. They're all yeah. they're such good songs. I do really like the, the songs movie. are better than the film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a soundtrack <laughs> that's better than the movie, but I I also still like the movie. Um, I think though, it kind of reminds me of that sense. Weird that I've brought this up on multiple episodes. This movie reminds me of Easy Rider because it's like yeah, so dated and so specific to a time period, but the soundtrack is so good. 
And uh, the 70s version of that is a movie that I've covered on my show, which is uh, Saturday Night Fever, which is also there a movie you go. that I think holds up a lot better than people uh, might realize and is yes. better than its reputation as My Justice mom Night. would agree with you on that as well. It's, it's a good movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the, the other song that really stood out to me this time, uh, if we're just on the soundtrack uh, conversation, is uh, The Weight, which... I, I don't know if you rec- like I wouldn't have known that was the title of it, but it's the take a load off. It's the song that's playing when it's, I think the second morning and it starts off. It's a couple of them sitting at the breakfast table uh, and talking about the shoes and how uh, Meg slept with Sam, but didn't sleep with him, didn't have sex with him. Uh, and then it cuts to like four of the others in the kitchen later in the in the morning i don't remember what they're talking about and then it uh transitions to just uh glenn close and jeff goldblum sitting at the table and she's coming off of like she did a bunch of coke with nick the night before and couldn't sleep and now she's super tired and goldblum is sitting there and he just goes so are we the first ones up (laughs) and it's like no you're not the first ones up everyone else is awake you're the last ones up you sleep in late, Jeff Goldblum. I don't know. But, like, the song that they use on that, it's a song I like already anyway, but it, it's a good sort of, like, mellow the next n- morning after a really emotional night for everyone. Uh, mm. it, it's a good moment. Again, I just wish I felt like I was there. I wish I yeah. was immersed in it, because I, I feel like you were. Um, yeah. But I wasn't, and I couldn't. It's just a movie that I was just kind of sitting yeah. there, watch these people at, at a mansion over a weekend, I was like, good for them i guess (laughs) yeah it's a movie that if you're not like on the right wavelength with it thank god it's it's just not not, gonna click with it it. doesn't overstay its welcome because if this were like two hours and 10 minutes which it easily could have been then i would have a big problem and Um, it moves really fast too like i was i had to pause at one point i was like oh i'm 45 minutes into this movie and it feels like i've been watching for like 20 I, I I don't know about you as someone that didn't like the movie. Maybe it felt like it went on forever. I think it really breezes by, especially. No, I, I just think it feels like an hour and 45. Yeah. I, I think it feels normal, which is good. Yeah. I don't know. I just, hmm, I'm trying to think of other points I have because for the most part, I'm just so eh on the can film. Can I talk about, can I talk about. I feel like you, you should be, I think you, you're leading the conversation because it, it's yeah. interesting when I have, have a movie that's selected that it's not that I absolutely despise it, but I don't like it either. So it's that awkward period where I don't have enough to say, but I also don't want to ignore it. It's really weird. Yeah, yes. I've had that before as well. Which which Um, with ones. I mean, kind of Magnificent Obsession this past week, although that was more both of us having issues with that movie. Ah, Uh, melodramatic. Yeah. Uh, neither of us really liked that one all that much. Um, but I do want to talk about my favorite scene in the movie. And it's not like a big emotional scene. It's just a fun little hangout moment where... Uh, so Sam, Tom Berenger's character, is uh, an actor on a Magnum P.I. type TV show called J.T. Lancer. He's like the lead. And there's a point where they're about to go sit down to dinner and uh, a commercial for the show, or maybe it's even the intro for an episode, comes on the TV and they all go rushing into the living room uh, to watch it and, like, make fun of it and, like, poke fun at, like, the cheesy 
intro of it like oh the car crashes oh he's jumping into bed with two women oh he's hopping over the car uh, door and hopping into the car which that comes back later in a really fun way um but it, it's just a good moment of like hey there's no you know dramatic weight to all this there's no it's just a moment where they can all be happy and they can all be friends and they're all just like lightly jabbing one of them but it's all in good fun i, I really like that moment i, I just think it's a good it's sort of sweet. encapsulation of the best parts of this movie which is where they're just you know having fun i also find it difficult to discuss comedies yeah because it's you just want to different than discussing a romance or a drama because yeah. a comedy is of course, every movie is an experience, but I feel like a comedy is like the most and it's difficult to have a conversation because listening to people talk about what they thought was so funny in a movie doesn't interest me. Um, because it's like, because like, yeah. like, what am I going to benefit from that? Yeah, half uh, of what I wrote down is just individual jokes. Like there's a point <laughs> at the reception where Chloe and I think Karen are talking about, you know, what she's going to do next. And uh, Chloe says something like, oh yeah, I was the one who found Alex, by the way. And Karen's like, oh God. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And uh, uh, Chloe's like, yeah, it was a huge mess. And Karen says, well, what are you going to do next? You know, obviously referring to like, where are you going to live after this? And Chloe just goes, oh no, we already cleaned it up. (laughs) It's such a, like, there's some pretty, there's some, like, for as generally light as the comedy of this movie is, there's some pretty dark humor uh, laced throughout and I think it's well timed too yeah like you don't get it all throughout it's not like a bunch of hey we're just gonna make suicide jokes the entire movie but you get moments where like Glenn Close uh, says oh yeah you can have your funeral here too we give uh, half off to people that kill themselves in our bathrooms and immediately is like oh god I don't know why I said that that was horrible so like when you do get those moments of like kind of morbid humor that, that like that happens uh, when you're all sort of going through a tragedy like that together. Sometimes someone will try to lighten the mood by making not a not an insensitive joke, but like a hey, we can all eventually move past this, but maybe now isn't the right time. Maybe it's a bit too early, and she recognizes that too. But you know, how else are you going to handle something that traumatic? it's you know a natural response to deal with these heavy things with humor mm-hmm. and to try to lighten the mood but she immediately backtracks and I, I like i think that's a good character moment because as we find out later she had had an affair with alex and was able to still salvage her marriage after that with harold and like they're still together they're still on good terms with alex too like there's he's still renting a room from them but you know she was of the of, aside from Chloe, she's the one that probably knew him the best because she had mm. an affair. But also, like she mentions, how like the affair wasn't just a purely sexual thing. Like they really had a genuine connection between them. So you see it hitting her more than even any of the other people. Like she's the only one I think that we see crying after the funeral. And I, I mean, she's not my stand out of the cast in general but but i think she's really good here and it is a good nomination i think that the the scene you just described does 
articulate something that I really like about the movie. And it's that the film knows that state, that really interesting state between awkwardness and confidence and how people sort of deal with that. Yeah. Uh, again, this movie isn't unrealistic. It, it doesn't feel unnatural in this dialogue. I think it might even be, okay, maybe not there, but like natural in a way that's not relatable. Um, yeah. But I do think that I like that you have all these little moments because the film is essentially a collection of these moments that you can resonate with a lot. Um, and I think that if I were to, then I'd feel the same way you were in, in that, oh, this isn't the best thing ever, but it, I had so much fun with that. I connected to that character. I connected to that moment. Oh, I've seen someone do that before. And I think the film knows what it wants to be very well. It's just not how I, how I felt. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel the way the film wanted to feel. Uh, and I totally get that. I get why this. <laughs> I love it. Um, I get why uh, this movie wouldn't resonate with someone. I just personally happened to be uh, tuned into the wavelength that it uh, was trying to achieve. But yeah, you know. and that's great. I think. That, yeah, I think that you know, you select. I mean, we kind of agreed to do this because it would be like a major disagreement session. But it's not like. I, I feel like my opinion is so loose on it that I can't really form a strong argument against what you're saying because yeah. I don't disagree. I just don't feel that way. Yeah. Which yeah. is uh, weird. In lieu of like discussing plots since there isn't really a plot, do we want to just sort of go down the cast list one by one? I mean, we've talked about Gwen Close and a little bit I mean, bit about I others. feel like you you would love to do that, so... I feel like it's just easier than talking about plot. We can talk about the individual characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm just going down the cast list alphabetically as they're credited. Let's start with uh, Tom Berenger as Sam, uh, as the big shot Hollywood actor that has his own TV show and just divorced his wife because, as we find out, he just got bored with domestic life and having a wife and daughter and is also like the one man that all of the women agree is like the one that you want to go for. Like he gets propositioned by two, not one, but two of his friends uh, over this weekend. I think that he represents that like star studded, but fake persona that like underneath is not as established as his screen and industry yeah. persona is. Again, it is cliche, but it works. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I think, but I don't know. It, none of them are really attractive, so I, I don't. I well, don't William Hurt can be, but he also can't be. I think, like, all of this cast is like. None of them are like the big. The like, men, at least for me. Yeah, I, I, I'd say generally none of them are like the big like Hollywood marquee like face. No, like, no. Like it, it's not a bunch of like. Tom Cruise, Michelle Pfeiffer type people where it's like the hottest mm. of the hottest of Hollywood. Oh, yes. But I think they all have their own distinct charm. Yeah. That all yeah none of them are ugly, just not, not yeah, my no. type. <laughs> yeah. But Glenn and Close, like, the interesting thing about Glenn Close though is that in the 80s, she was not considered like beautiful. I don't know if that's, yeah. that sounds weird. And then you watch it's, something it's like because, Fatal Attraction and she's... yeah stunning in it and i'm like she, how, how she had to fight think? for that role she had to fight for that yeah. role uh, because up until then her roles were garp 
this the natural <laughs> yeah and then like jagged edge and stuff like that and she was i mean i don't know i she, think she's gorgeous but yeah uh both she and uh joe beth williams auditioned for the meg role and wanted the meg role because it's they felt it was the most compelling with mm-hmm. her sort of uh wanting to have a child and going after all of these men and trying to find one of them that'll you know connect with her in that way it's it's a that's probably the strongest role the strongest written role but uh it, it turns out that both sarah and karen had been written with those actors in mind so they got cast in those roles but uh so like glenn close at this point her only uh, film role was as a very maternal figure in the world according to garp and then with this she's like not even straight laced because you know none of these characters are straight laced but she's like the one that is in a stable relationship and is a mother and all that and then the natural she's a very chaste sort of lost love figure excuse me and then from her career from then on like she's getting typecast in all of these roles and the studio didn't want her for uh, fatal attraction and she really had to fight to get that role and to get that audition even like they didn't even want to let her audition because they didn't think that anyone would believe Glenn Close as this, you know, dangerously erotic figure. And she, pulled you know, it she ended so up, perfectly. yeah, she pulled it off. The audition, like it, it, you read yeah. the story about that audition process and the audition that she ended up giving with Michael Douglas. And it's really something. It is, it is a fascinating story yeah. and just everything. I mean, you've covered that movie on this show. You've, you've gone into that. You, you know, the whole, backstory there with what that character has meant for her career but yeah like this is not i mean this is the side of glenn close that you would see for the most part and i think she pulls it off and we were talking about tom berenger uh and we just sort of went back down the glenn close thing um, but i don't know it, again it's so loose that oh it's very loose the movie hops and, from and character here's the thing character i'm gonna scene. say something that everyone is gonna roll their eyes at when i say this everyone's gonna think i'm so annoying but I really think that this would have benefited from a queer character. Oh, it, yeah. It and needed something to hook me in. And that would have hooked me in. But yeah. they're all just straight white people. Yeah. I, I, I need some yeah. something. You could, pr- like, <laughs> if you were making this nowadays, and spoiler alert, we've recast the movie for a modern audience. We'll get to that later. Uh you would have that element in there. Of course, so yeah. Would have but that. I want to see that 80s version of that because I think that, yeah. that was possible. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like you could have definitely had some sort of element there yeah. and pulled it off. And like the whole thing with the, with these characters is that they are kind of loosely homogeneously romantic and sexual with one another. They've probably almost all paired up with one another at some point in the past and yeah. slept with each other and done god knows what. Well, I wish what. there was a queer element to it. That'd be and so the thing is <laughs> there might have been. Like there very well could have been yeah, some but, of these characters. But it just, it's just doesn't give me that vibe. There's no undertone yeah. of that at all. Yeah, the closest you get is the closest you get is the scene with Meg and Sarah where uh they're talking about where eventually essentially Sarah is like, "Hey, fuck my husband. He'll He'll get you knocked up good. I'm okay with that. I don't mind. And there's, it feels like there's some like 
there's something between the two of them. And even then, that just feels then, like that so just loose. feels like it's such a. I'm, I don't maybe love my husband. That doesn't feel queer. I don't even it think just, it's yeah. It, yeah. It's it, it's just they're all very open with one another, but it never goes that extra step and is over. It's never overtly queer in any of that. And unfortunately, it should have been. It should have been. It would have. Yeah, you're right. It would have made this a more interesting uh, story. Yeah. Again, just all the characters mesh. They like one yeah. blend. <laughs> they don't really separate for me. Yeah, for the most part. I, th- I think some of them, like, I'd say Goldblum stands out as a. Yeah, because he's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Goldblum and Hurt, I think, are the two most distinct. Yeah, and because... none of them have a bad screen presence. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that none of, nobody is horrendously bad to the point that it's going to turn you off as someone that doesn't like the movie. It's just, you know, meh to you. Yeah, we mm. don't have to go down the whole cast because, you know, some of Yeah, get- it's also different. nice to see Meg Tilly in things. Yeah. She's I, kind of an thought, underrated performer. I thought she was really great here. I, I mean, she's probably the funniest. Her and Goldblum are the two with, like, the most overtly comedic uh, characters and mm. plot lines. But, yeah, I thought she was great here. I... I think I probably undervalued her the first time I watched the movie and then watching it again this time I I really was, you know, connected with what she's bringing, what sort of mm-hmm. presence she has here. I I thought she was great. Yeah. I have a question. Do you think that this would have won SAG Ensemble had that existed? Oh, absolutely. Back then? I, like I was going to That's bring that the up. thing. Because I, I read is, I read yeah. some things and it wasn't necessarily expected to get a best picture nomination. I know it was a screenplay nomination was expected. Yeah, because it won uh, WGA. It won right, but that didn't mean anything then. Um, it didn't, but like that, it's something. I, I just, I just, it, it feels like one of those movies. But and I know yeah. Glenn Close had some buzz. I yeah, I think what it was like looking through Inside Oscar, n- nobody from this cast was particularly singled out because everyone was just like the, same. the whole cast deserves one giant oscar among themselves and i feel like and that's the best picture nomination yeah that's how it gets propelled to best picture is you have an entire cast where everyone's getting high praise it's a big hit and you know the screenplay is snappy and like it makes sense that this movie's only nominations are picture screenplay and one acting like it's just a shame that the two movies in best director that didn't get a best picture nomination absolutely fucking demolish the best picture lineup and it's so funny to me yeah i don't know i, I we'll, we'll get into that in a moment but yeah i i i watched them both this week for the first time and it's just like wow those were robbed really oh, yeah. just snubbed this is a weird year this is it's a an awful famously year weird year at the oscars yeah yeah but yeah what do you think of the ending of the film I'm, I'm i think curious about that because it, it just again it felt kind of slight it was like good for them, I guess. But it's like- I, yeah, I generally like it when a movie like this uh, has, you know, high emotional stakes but low plot stakes, and then ends with not really a non-resolution, but like a well, things are gonna go on, and nothing really got cleaned up nicely, but nobody is, you know, mad. And yeah. things just, you know, like positive in yeah. a realistic way, I think is what you're Yeah, like a, a couple of weeks ago, I covered Rachel getting married on mm. the show. And yes. that has another similar, a bunch of people in a house for the weekend type 
but there's vibe. but there's yeah. there's juicy drama and you yeah. have a main character who is so interesting to follow yeah and this film but, doesn't have yeah. that and then you just get in that movie you get the catharsis of the wedding and the after party yes. where all of the high tensions just sort of you know diffused as time went on and it feels real and i think that yeah. this, this movie you're right that it does something similar I'm sorry I'm just so low energy on it. Like, oh, I, feel, no, you're fine. I feel kind of bad because you you're seem fine. very excited and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just get movies like that that don't enthuse you and it can be hard to talk about them. But like, yeah. even then, there's still plenty of stuff to talk about here. Uh, yeah. Even with a less less of an interest in the actual movie. we yeah. I think we, we've had plenty to talk about so far. Yeah. I, still, I still have more to talk about. And um, do you think that, do you want to get into the other parts? Because I think that you can bring those up. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, one other moment I just wanted to mention that Ooh, made me laugh okay. out loud. Uh, so we've been told, like, at this point that Meg is going to tell Sam she wants him to get her pregnant. And then... Oh, like, yes. And then a bunch of other stuff happens. And I think it's a scene where everyone else is sitting around maybe watching TV or something. I don't remember what the lead up is. But then it just cuts to the two of them in a bedroom together. And there's like a couple seconds of silence and Sam just goes, what? And like, you can tell she's just popped the question to him like, hey, I want to get pregnant and I want you to be the father and I don't want you to have any obligation to this child. I just need someone to impregnate me. And I like that we don't get the setup for that. We just get his confused reaction I, I it just made me laugh out loud I actually had to rewind yeah. a couple seconds just to watch it again just to, it's such a <laughs> perfect delivery that. from him like you don't get that many perfect deliveries of a single word like that and it's just perfect for the moment it tells you everything about what just happened yeah 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 we can uh move on to the next segment then yeah I mean and we can also build off of that during during these next segments because yeah for sure I think you can uh, so a few questions from from friends of the podcast uh, our first is from Andrew Carden who asks where does this rank for you amongst Glenn's Oscar nominations I'm just gonna say probably bottom three or four not the worst but not the best yeah I would say it's right down the middle for me like worst is probably you know it's going to be albert knobs and hillbilly elegy and the natural she's not bad in but she's just not doing any like uh, and, and surprised garb by that nominee. is fine i think she's really good in garb i think, I think she's garb, good garb and then, but then she has my... that double oh my god literally <laughs> like can you she just like had that mini run of absolute yeah. perfection where she should have won twice in a row i will stand by that she should have won both times easily. And it's amazing. Uh, yeah. I love it. I adore okay. her in Fatal Attraction and Dangerous Liaisons. Dangerous Liaisons is delicious. Dangerous that's, that's Liaisons is her best good food. It's their best Dangerous Liaisons is her best performance. Yeah. yeah. Fatal Attraction is a movie I really like and I think she's really good in it. I do have some just sort of general issues with it. Well, I yeah. Think she's very good in it. I think I probably go number one Liaisons I think number two for me is Garp. I really, I really like what she's doing in that movie. It's a, it's a close two and three between Garp and Fatal Attraction. Wow. So, like, and then the wife she's good in. 
the the wife is a she's good bad movie that she's really good in yeah and that is another movie i'm gonna be talking about on my yes. show and it's oh, gonna be oh a, yes it's that, gonna be that a is thing. a history that's one that's one of those movies that i'm saving for like a special yes like there's definitely. a few that i i know i have to like i'm saving dude you should Girl. save spencer yeah well i'm, I'm at least going to wait a year because i don't want to yeah. do anything within the year Okay. But I'm saving Gone Girl. I'm saving the wife. I'm saving Anna. I'm saving ah. Misery. I'm saving Jackie Brown. Like there's some that I want to cherish when I get to them. I don't want to yes. waste all of the great and movies. I regret the, not the doing great that stories too because, yep, I did not plan yeah. that as well as you did. I know I'm gonna save the kids who are right for like a special yeah. moment. But yeah, it's 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 special to the show. Um. Yes. But yeah, so then The Wife is probably fourth of our nominations. She's and then, great in it. I love yeah. her in it. I don't care. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's very good in that movie in a movie that doesn't always work around her. That but, being said, Coleman, of course. Yeah, Coleman. Like, and so did McCarthy. And uh, that's a, and so did Yalitza. That, that is a top to bottom great lineup. Uh, it was. But then, yeah, I'd say probably Big Chill is number five I, of eight I'm for her. I'm probably with you. Yeah, because I, I think, like, again, I don't think she's bad in The Natural, but it is a nothing performance. I don't think she's bad in any of her Oscar nominated performances, actually. Yeah, yeah I, I I think she's bad in Albert Nobbs. I think. Albert oh, Nobbs. yes, yeah. never mind. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. And oh then, God. so then The Natural and then Hillbilly Elegy existed. And Albert Nobbs at the bottom. You reminded me that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad movie. Oh, my God. It's a bad movie. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, different ranking for the top three, but same general placement, you'd say? Yeah. 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 Okay. Gabe Gorin asks, who is the best in the show? I want to hear your answer first. Who, who, who would you say? Because I struggled with this in a different way than you struggled with this, I would say. Meg Tilly, Loki. Because I think, yeah, yeah, that's who I. That's who I landed on after this go around. I think if you oh, yeah. had asked me from the first time I watched, I would have said Tom Berenger because I think he's also really good here. And I struggled this time between Meg Tilly and William Hurt. I think William Hurt is really good because that character is so tough to nail down with everything that he's going through yeah. and how how he's like probably the one that all of these other people are the the least in contact with over the years but also just like he was probably alex's friend more so than he was anyone else's friend in this group and i mean he had a a thing with i think karen maybe i know he had some sort of romantic something that that was like a big reveal with one of them but uh Sometimes I could get Meg and Karen's plot lines confused uh, mm-hmm. here and there, but yeah, I think that's Meg a that's Tilly, a tough underrated yeah, Meg, queen. I think again, everyone is good here, but I'd say Meg Tilly and William Hurt are like my top two this go around. With honorable mention to Tom Berenger, who I think is still very. good. I would say Meg Tilly and Glenn Close. <laughs> yeah. Glenn is Probably. also again very good. Do you know what movie. Glenn is? Glenn is a really good crier. Yeah, yeah. This movie always really has takes it. It yeah. takes really good advantage of that. There's the scene where she's uh, 
And you know, yeah, sitting on the bathroom floor naked, about to take a shower, and just bawling, bawling. And she does it naturally. Yeah, and she doesn't like have to move her face and like squish her face to cry. And do you know who else I noticed about that? About Olivia Coleman. Yeah, (laughs) also a very good crier. Yeah. Yes, but anyways, enough of that feud. Um, Yes. And then Zita asks us (laughs) if there are too many needle drops. No, no, was, uh, uh, not enough. I'd say. I, I mean, <laughs> there's not a bad song on this soundtrack. No, and they're all used really well. I think. I mean, the needle drops make the movie, and I think they all work. Agreed. Do you? I think this is a very obvious question. <laughs> but why do you think that this film didn't win any Oscars? I. I mean, I don't think it was that much of a critical success. I think most of what propelled it to this Best Picture nomination was it did really well at the box office and it was a cultural phenomenon. And all these Academy members are going, oh, I had so much fun watching that movie. I did not have fun watching that three-hour Ingmar Bergman film that will probably hold up in years to come. But I don't care because this very specific to our time film was so cute. So I'm going to put it at the fifth slot in my ballot instead of a movie about, instead of a movie about the damaging nature of uh, factories with Queen Meryl Streep and a three hour gorgeous Ingmar Bergman film. That is, that is the Oscars for you. I mean, the Oscars famously have no foresight for what will hold up versus Zero. what we like in this given year. And, like, this also, not my least favorite of this best picture lineup. So. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. It is, like, <laughs> probably my fourth. And that's, like, I I do really like this movie. And I, I think it's probably still fourth for me in this lineup. Uh I don't know and, where it is. I'll have to when, when we yeah. get to that. I'll, I'll rank it. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to to hear what you thought of some of these others. If you didn't really like some of them, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll let's just let's really just good. get yeah. into it. Yes, because yes, well, because this is a first, first oh though, oh we get okay. the Oscars. I asked you a question. You did uh, before we recorded uh, when we were watching the movie to cast the movie. I did seven of a, them. Is that oh, how I, many? I you... I did all eight. Uh, okay. I forgot one yeah. of them. Sorry. We will find out. We will find out as we go. Um, okay. Because uh, the one that, go, yeah, you can name go, you can name the actor, and once we get to the yeah. one that I forgot, which I'm not. Do not you want to go character by character? We each do one or full cast. Yeah, but say the actor because in my notes okay. I wrote actor dash actor okay. actor. Yeah. So, so for Tom Berenger's character, Sam, uh-huh. I said I, so. I wanted to go with someone, uh, just on a meta level that has done a lot of TV. And I wanted to do someone that has a lot of charisma uh, that would make sense as the guy that all of these women flock to. So I went with Stephen Young, who I think has the charisma that, like, he could lead an action show like J.T. Lancer. Uh, he's done a lot of TV in general. And he's a really charismatic guy. I think. And he's he, actually yeah. hot. So yeah, very hot. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and he, he tapped into a lot of that sort of, I guess, lonely family man stuff yeah. in Minari. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I was I I also want generally try to stay within the like 34 to 39 age bracket for my actors. So I, I tried not to stray too far from that. I think 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went with a have? very different choice. I said Bo Burnham. Oh, huh. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like he has that type. Like he, he can fit into that. And I just love Bo Burnham. Yeah, I, I could totally, like, that's the kind of, like, it's a choice that you wouldn't initially think of, but, like, you can see it working. You can see him tapping into some of that, like, sort of sadness that you get with Sam's character and the sort of, you know, high career achievements, but still feels kind of empty. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I could definitely see that with him. Okay. Uh, so for Sarah, the Glenn Close character, I wanted to go with someone that has a lot of gravitas and that can still be funny and charming, but also hit those very emotional moments. And uh, I went with uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I feel like she, she needs more roles. Yes. But, but also just like, yeah, she she could do a lot of those moments that Glenn Close hits very well. Uh, We know that she's a good crier. We know that she's a good comedic actress. We know that she's a good dramatic actress. We know she can have really good, just, scene chemistry with a lot of different actors uh yeah yeah i had a toss-up for this one yeah and it was carrie washington and this was just to be kind of salty but amy adams (laughs) yeah i'm such a bitch for that i'm sorry i shouldn't have put that one uh oh i have a bitchy answer later on i i have i have one that's fully meta bitchy too so we'll Okay, yeah, but I, you know, I'm sure you know why I put Amy Adams. I, I, I do. I, <laughs> I think, yeah. Uh, so maybe if Michael, this were made yeah. 30 years earlier, I would cast Deborah Carr. Just kidding. That would oh boy, work. yeah. But I like no. being bitchy like that. But yeah, Jerry Washington would work. Yeah. So for Michael, the Jeff Goldblum character, uh, I was I was torn between two. Uh, at first, I thought Elliot Page would be good for this role. I I think he he's he can do the sarcasm of this role but then i ended up like i don't know if he would be quite the right fit so i ended up going with kieran culkin who is in many ways uh, so very... did i oh hell yeah <laughs> hell yeah he he can do the the wry sort of like vaguely horny fuck boy yeah that goldblum is like the perfect encapsulation of yes yeah. oh my god that's amazing <laughs> okay yeah Okay, so we matched one for one with there uh, we go. No, no uh, cross chat. That, that's good. Uh, for Nick, the William Hurt character, this was, this was like the one that made me think, hey, we should do this as a whole exercise because I wanted to go with someone that can be standoffish and weird. And the, like the scene where it's uh, Sarah and Harold walking up to the house from the, the car and they're just talking about something and it pans up and Nick is just sitting cross-legged on like the stoop of the stairwell just like in his own world totally disconnected from the rest of the group i wanted to go with someone that can be that just like weird guy that i i don't even know how to describe it adam driver adam driver i think would be perfect for that because yeah. he, he can be sarcastic yeah, he can like that one because i went with bradley cooper i could see it yeah yeah, it, I could totally. Like, it's supposed to be the most attractive one, at least for me. Um, yeah, but maybe it would be distracting because I'd just be looking at Bradley Cooper the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I could see Bradley Cooper having the like. He has that. I think he has enough range to do something like. Yeah, that. yeah, he could totally tap into that sort of weirdness 
that you get from Nick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I I like that. I like that. I mostly I just want to see Adam Driver doing the scene where uh, he oh, yeah. sets up the video camera and interviews himself about his you know past as a reporter and as uh, now that he, now he just sells drugs and I, I thought that was a good scene where he's going back and forth as himself and as the interviewer. Uh, I think Adam Driver could pull that off. Uh, so for Harold, the Kevin Klein character. This one was tough because, Ooh, you know, yeah. it, it's like the least developed character and it feels like, you, I don't know, it, it's such a hard archetype to tap into. Uh, so I'm the least confident about my pick here. I ended up going with Andrew Garfield because I think he can do Ooh. the like family man that on the surface has it all together, but, you know, was cuckolded by his college, like one of his best friends and is still married to his wife from that and is you know doing some highly illegal insider trading shit and goes jogging in short shorts and owns a like sneaker factory and i i don't know i could see andrew garfield having the like very peppy you know upbeat but it's like all a facade nature that uh klein has in this i don't know i feel like he could pull that off also just like they have the same kind of theater kid energy I said Jesse Plemons. Ooh. No, that's the exact opposite of yeah. the Andrew Garfield type, but I can that's see that too. the exact opposite. Because you say family man, and I kind of think of Jesse Plemons when I think of family man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could totally see I, that. I don't know. I, I, it's weird, but he's the first person that came to my mind. Strangely. That totally... That, I, I wouldn't have imagined him for that. Like, if I'm no. casting Jesse Plemons in this movie in general, I'm Any probably going with... person wouldn't put that. But I think it works. I think it really works. I, I And then, who was your Sarah again? Your Glenn Close? My who Glenn was... Close was Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. I could see... Carrie I, Washington. I could see Plemons playing off either of them in an interesting yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Jesse Plemons, my Meg... My uh, Mary Kay place is Kirsten Dunst. Same. Oh, right on. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I see it now. Just because, because they end up. Yeah, yeah. Fucking in the end of the movie. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, Power I would. Couple. That it didn't lead me that way to, down the Plemons route. But yeah, I think Kirsten Dunst would probably fit in. Fucking love that woman. I thought about her at first for my Sarah because I think she could do some of that. Me too, but I feel like she's a little lighter. Um, yeah so I, and I think I, I she could with... play the the like sort of flighty Meg who's yeah. a little bit desperate at this point to have a baby and to be a mother I think I think she could pull that off uh, so for my Chloe uh, my Meg Tilly I, I wanted to go with someone younger than the rest of the group and uh, I looked it up she's apparently the same age that Meg Tilly was when she made this movie Elle Fanning that's perfect I think she could do the like a little bit airheaded, but like still very funny and very like almost unintentionally funny. Like a lot of what Chloe does and says in this movie isn't intended to be funny. It's just her being younger than all these people and having less life experience. And I think Elle Fanning uh, can do that really well. I think she, uh, I don't know. I I just, I thought she would uh, be a good fit for this type of role. Yeah. Mine is Alana Heim. 
I could see that. Yeah. She has that energy. And I think she's yeah. like kind of flowy and young. And yeah. I love her. So Yeah. Yeah, she she taps into that a lot in Licorice Pizza. I could I could definitely see her taking that kind of role. And so then my Karen, this is my bitchy pick. So Karen, the uh the Joe Beth Williams character who uh wants to leave her husband for another man. I cast Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Wow. I also think that she would just generally, she works in that role. I, I cast her in that part before I made the connection, the Ewan McGregor's uh, sort of meta connection there. I I just also think that she, uh, I mean, she doesn't get that many dramatic roles these days in something like this. Uh, so if in our hypothetical, they're remaking the big chill this year type fantasy i think this would be a good role for her at where she is in her career and also just i think she she would uh hit some of the dramatic beats that uh are required of that character and i said jessica chastain because she has so much range as an actress like i didn't even realize it i looked at her three oscar nominees nominations the other day and they're all so different very different so like so different and i said she could pull anything off she she could do this this is like kind of perfect for her i, I feel it yeah hopefully maybe she maybe she'd go a little big but still yeah i i i don't know it, it came to my mind i could definitely see her in that role yeah like that's she has the right sensibilities to pull off yes. what is required of that uh character i'm just looking now because uh I mean, this podcast, yeah, podcasting is uh, famously a visual medium. But on the Zoom call, Sam has set his background to a cast picture of the entire cast of The Big Chill sitting out on the porch. Uh, and so I've just been looking at each of them as yes, we go and yeah, our casting. Me too. So I'm just staring at Joe Beth Williams off on the side there. Uh, yeah, that, that was. A, I think those were both good casts. Uh, yeah, that we, that we threw together there. And hopefully they would there both would be, be queer, interesting takes. queer characters amongst them. Yeah, absolutely. You could definitely have some uh, connections here and there. Yeah. Would you like to to get into the categories? There aren't many yes. of them, so it yes. should. There's only three. Which, yeah, there's only three. Yes, thank thankfully and, yeah. should have been less, but yeah, can't well, do anything. I, uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, I so I didn't. There were only two co-nominees here that I didn't get a chance to watch. I didn't watch War Games, uh, which is an original screenplay nominee. And then I didn't watch The Year of Living Dangerously, only because that's a movie I will eventually be covering on my show. And I knew I wouldn't want to watch it twice. So I am saving it for when I do that episode. Okay, but I, good decision. I, everything else that I hadn't seen, I filled in the gaps. Thankfully. Again, okay. only three c- categories. And I had already seen a lot of the other nominees anyway, so... It was nice to not have as many gaps to fill. Yes. So our first category is original screenplay. And alongside the Big Chill, nominated are Fanny and Alexander, Silkwood, War Games, and the winner was Tender Mercies. So oh, it who, sure do was you, Tender Mercies. who do you give the win to here? Okay. I mean, Again. yeah, I haven't seen War Games. It's good. Um, I actually yeah, like War Games. I, 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 I do want to get around to it. I, I've heard good things. I just didn't it's have kind of cool. And it did very well. So I like this nomination. Yeah, I, I do. I do want to watch it. I've heard it's fun. Yeah. And I will I will eventually watch it. Uh, I did not like Tender Mercies. 
And oh my god. Even on top of not liking it, I don't get the screenplay win aside, no. from, the fact, aside from the fact that it was just a movie that they liked that year and it's a best picture nominee. And that's probably like uh it's a that's a bad screenplay win. There's nothing interesting about that screenplay. Um Fanny and Alexander is the best movie of the year, just far enough. Oh my not. god. Yeah, and it, I, it's so embarrassing to me that Tender Mercies won not one, but two Oscars. Yeah. Oh boy. We'll we'll talk about it when we talk about Best Picture. I, I will save I will save my overall Tender Mercies thoughts for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, Fanny and Alexander, best movie of the year. So gorgeous. Good. Well, every artistic aspect is great. All the acting is great. The direction obviously is impeccable. I don't know if I necessarily think of the screenplay when I think about that movie. It's well written. It's well plotted, but. Also, I when I watched it, I watched the uh, TV version. So I watched the like five hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Just because I, I wanted to like get the full scope. Yeah. I did the same thing. I did the same thing with uh, scenes from a marriage. I watched the yeah. full miniseries for that uh, for Bergman's uh, scenes from a marriage. So like I've seen both of those in their entirety. Yeah. And again, great movie. I don't think I would have given that the screenplay win. Silkwood, another movie that I liked. I don't know if I loved it as much as you did. I, I think it's very good. Uh, I I think, honestly, I would have given the big chill this Oscar. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. As much as you liked it, I did not expect that. I think it's, um, a, tight, it's a tight screenplay. And it's the kind of movie that, like, is such a phenomenon. And is such an, like, it's so talky that I'm kind of surprised it didn't win. I honestly don't know yeah. what about Tender Mercies. Like, if you're, okay, if you're narrowing it down thing. to... Yeah. Yeah, but the only explanation is that they liked Tender Mercies more. That's the only I don't explanation. Know how... But Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, they're both I guess. not good to me, but Tender Mercies is awful. I actually think Tender Mercies is a bad film. Yeah, it's Tender Mercies. So, is, so is I would I would say my winner is Silkwood because the yeah, idea I, of making Cher a lesbian alone is worthy of that award. But yeah. Silk, Silkwood is so intense and so well-developed in both yeah. of their characters. Um, and it's so, like, gripping. I, I love Silkwood so much. I think it's amazing. Fanny yeah. and Alexander, I wouldn't give the win. I'm like you. I think that there are other parts of it that are better, but that whole story is really strong. Um, but then again like I don't want to give a screenplay win to a movie that has a little fart joke in it come on Uh, (laughs) better movies have have had fart jokes but my my third place would be War Games fourth would be The Big Chill and then dead last of course Tender Mercies because yeah yawn fast and it's only 90 minutes and it is still so boring yeah oh boy it's also just it's poorly written i i think tender mercy is is actively a poorly written movie yes i just on it's just not interesting which is why if you're narrowing it down to just the best picture nominees so if if yeah then i then obviously the big chill because yeah it's like and it's so i don't even mean like academy when they reward original screenplay winners they actually do the most interesting one unless it's the best picture winner uh so it's weird to me that the big chill didn't win yeah i like that was the one that i was most head scratching about because like it's a huge hit it is a huge you know cultural thing and it's so uh, like it's just screenplay 
it's yeah. like it it, it cast, makes sense i guess yeah it makes sense that it doesn't get a director nomination because the direction isn't what's interesting about this movie it is these eight characters the situations and the dialogue between them as they talk about this thing like i i genuinely don't understand if you're an academy voter in 1983 and you're ruling out the other three because they're not best picture nominees like if you're yeah. just deciding between tender mercies and the big chill how you don't give it to the big chill i think and also on top of that like i said i like this movie i think i would have given it the vote anyway uh, that's shocking so, that you yeah. give it to me give it to it over silkwood and fanny and alexander though fanny and alexander much better movie fanny and alexander is yes. the movie of the year if i would give it. that yeah. director i'm just gonna say yes. that because it, it, yeah. we can't talk about that category yeah. thank god um but i would give that director yeah um it, it should have but been. yeah uh, I'm sticking with Silkwood. I love, love it. Understandable. So good. Silkwood, Silkwood is probably my number two here. And Silkwood, uh, I have to say, is one of Meryl Streep's best performances. And I oh know yeah, that's... I, I think she was great. Yeah, she's so good. Okay, and speaking of Silkwood, uh, our next category is Supporting Actress. Okay. And alongside... Uh, again, yeah. Oh, no. Close, you have Cher for Silkwood, Amy Irving for Yentl, Alfre Woodard for Cross Creek, and the winner is Linda Hunt for the Year of Living Dangerously. I know you yeah. haven't seen Year of Living Dangerously, but out of the other four, is Glenn Close your choice? I don't know. In watching all of these movies, like the other four, or all four of these performances, I think are good. And none of them, like, stands out to me as like a clear vote i think Cher is very good in silkwood but i don't know there's not a scene for her i think she's mostly like she's in scenes and she's good in those scenes but there's never a point where she really wows me uh and the same goes with amy irving and elfrey woodard i think they're both very good in their movies but they're both overshadowed by other performances i think that like it is a I, mean, I think all of them are overshadowed by other people in their movies i think meryl and kurt russell i i think kurt russell is no you think he's better think, than Cher? no i think he and Cher are on the same level i because okay. both of those characters have the same sort of weight to the story that like it doesn't make sense to nominate one but not the other is where i'm confused and then same with amy irving it doesn't make sense to nominate her, but not Mandy Patinkin. I think Mandy Patinkin is fantastic in Yentl and also deserved a nomination. I, I'll talk about supporting actor in a second, even though this didn't get nominated, just to give my thoughts on that lineup, because there's a lot of people that I'm just surprised didn't make it and I would have put in anyway. Uh, and I think Alfre Woodard is very good in Cross Creek, but I think the standout of that cast is Rip Torn, and I'm glad he did get nominated uh, because I thought he was you know really strong in that movie and I, I also think mary steenburgen is very good in that movie uh and then like i said glenn is probably fourth down the line for this cast i think nobody here is bad again i haven't seen you're living dangerously so i can't speak to that but none of them stands out and like immediately pulls me to them to be my vote fair i can see that because this isn't like a striking lineup but, I think I would I think I would ultimately end up going with Cher though. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I have thoughts about this category. Yeah. Um Glenn Close blends into it. She's cute, but yeah. I don't care. Meg um, Tilly would have been a better Amy player. Irving 
is filler to me. Like she's yeah. sweet, like she has a compelling presence, but it's filling. It's filler to me. She, so I'm she not does it. big I, on that. I wouldn't have given her the Oscar nomination. I also wouldn't have given her the Razzie nomination. I don't. Oh yeah, that was weird. Either of those. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just. It's just, it's just kind of. Hate, yeah. They hate. Yeah. They hate Barbara. They hate women. Yeah. They're going to nominate Yantel. Um, Alfrey Woodard. The role is really not the best, and it yeah. is stereotypical, but. She's Alfrey Woodard. Yeah, I'm glad um, she Alfrey deserves Woodard. better. She deserves yeah. better because she's such a good actress. Um, obviously not amongst her best performances, but yeah, she I'm glad is, she has an Oscar nomination. Out, and she yeah. is the most interesting thing to me about the film. Um, which wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It's yeah, just I, I was pleasantly surprised. Flawed. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by yeah. Silk, or by Cross Creek as. And a- then Cher is my winner. She, as you said. She doesn't have a scene, but she really doesn't need one. It's one of those performances that I love where it's so subdued. She isn't overdoing anything at all, but the character is so crucial and she creates it in a really amazing way that she can just be in the backdrop, but she's so interesting. She isn't necessarily commanding, but she's subtle and it works so well. I love her in it. I think the main sort of narrative of the share nomination in the time was so much like, oh, it was like, can you believe that Cher is giving this good movie, like good performance in a movie? Like my mom tells the story of when she went to go see that movie for the first time. And when Cher's name popped up in the opening credits, everyone in the audience laughed. And then when her name popped up in the ending credits, everyone cheered because they were so shocked that Cher, this, you know, pop star had given such a nuanced, interesting performance. And yeah, then she's I think, amazing. Yeah, but then watching it now for me, having seen her in stuff like Moonstruck, I see it more as less like, would this performance be given the same sort of, you know, praise that we give it if it was from someone that's a like an actress? I and, still think so. Yeah, I think it's good. I think she's very good. Like I, I, said, I don't know. I'm probably I'm a fan of winner, but yeah. But then, but then you have the winner. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get into this. Yeah, we can but just I think I, think I haven't seen pretty, it. So I think she's it. pretty yeah. bad in that movie. I've seen every supporting actress winner, and she is definitely in the bottom ten for me. And I suppose I should be thinking, what what is this character? I'm here to judge that. But the racism of it all is yeah. so apparent that I can't ignore it. I am not a fan of the win, just at all. It is it is no awful. Yeah. But again, Amy Irving, I don't think is great either. And neither is Glenn to me. So I would say Alfrey Woodard and Cher are the only ones here that I like with Cher edging her out. Okay. Uh, but this is not an, not an exciting one. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about supporting actor just a little bit before oh, we yes. get on to Best Picture, just because I, um, I, think, I think William Hurt would make my lineup here. Uh, I think, honestly... The only nominee here, and I still haven't seen To Be or Not To Be, which is another movie I'll be covering on my show. What about the guy who played the priest in Fanny and Alexander? I think he's good. I think he's very good. He might make... It's Yeah. Yeah. I, I The only one here that I would keep is Nicholson. I I think <laughs> Sam Shepard is I good in the right... I that win. I don't oh, know. Really? It's so weird to me. I never understood the hype behind it. It is one I of think those performances. I think he's charming. But it's just so not acting. 
it's just him being Jack Nicholson in an annoying way. Is the thing not annoying, but like it's yeah. nothingness. Here's I, the thing: still, Jack it's, Nicholson it, it, is like, yeah. it's better than as good as it gets, at least. Which yeah, is... Jack Nicholson is just in general one of my all-time favorite actors. So Nicholson being Nicholson is it works for me. I think he's good here. He's not my winner. I heard someone I, say I, that he was better than Shirley MacLaine, and I wanted to slap that person. I would not agree with that. I, <laughs> I think I, I keep Nicholson in the lineup. I throw in William Hurt. Uh, I I throw in Mandy Patinkin for Yentl. I think he's very good. Oh, and I, hot! Oh my god, oh, he's so hot in that movie. Oh, like boy. out of nowhere too. Uh, oh incredible. my god! Yeah. yeah. Um, I would have uh, Jerry Lewis for the King of Comedy which is a fantastic performance. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about support, like supporting <laughs> actress this year, Sandra Bernhard is my winner. She's so good in The King of Comedy. And then my and winner- in, share. Yeah, my winner in supporting actor. And I'm curious to hear your take on this because I apparently you didn't like this movie. Ed Harris for The Right Stuff. Oh, no, I didn't hate the movie either. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. just like, it's good. I, um, I really he's, like yeah he's right really good in it I think he's fantastic in that movie. yeah no he is it's it's so un Ed Harris because he's <laughs> such he's such like a gruff type of guy even in The Lost Daughter where he's you know, <laughs> ultimately oh, yes. he's ultimately just kind of sweet in that movie like he's just kind of a sweet old man it's kind of uh, a cameo yeah it is I, th- I think I would have liked to see him in that movie more I would have liked to see because I think he's good in that movie, but he's not in it enough. But he's usually such a gruff type of guy. So to see him be like this very charming, like pleasant John Glenn in The Right Stuff, I think he, he, it's just such a, it's a performance that really blew me away when I watched it. Yeah. And and like, again, he's Kurt good. Russell. Kurt Russell is great. In yeah, The Right Stuff has good yeah. performances. It, it's just not, I don't think there's anything wrong with the film. Yeah, um, it's just it's yeah. three and a half hours of space stuff. It yeah, can get, so that's it can get exhausting. Um, yeah. but yeah, do you want to get on yeah. to the the the, the the best picture lineup, which is pretty I, embarrassing to me? So I'm just gonna get that I, out of the way. I, I think it's one that like it doesn't reflect the best of the year. But you look I at have... the year before though, and it's embarrassing in comparison. Yes. Yeah, in comparison, it is a lackluster lineup, but I individually, the movies themselves have very few complaints aside from Tender Mercies, which I think is <laughs> actively a bad, boring, bland, nothing movie that, like, if you want to talk about contemplative sort of Western plateau movies with these grizzled actors like that being surrogate dads how the fuck does this movie get as far as it does with the Oscars and the next year they give a complete blank to Paris, Texas? Well, if, that doesn't if, surprise me. It doesn't surprise me because it's Vim Vanders and it's such an art house thing. But yeah. like this whole movie, I was just thinking, man, Robert <laughs> Duvall won his Oscar for this and Harry Dean Stanton never got a nomination in his life. And the next year in Paris, Texas, he does everything that Duvall is doing here 10 Not times better. better. <laughs> and like, it's Harry Dean Stanton in Paris, Texas is one of the all time greatest performances ever. And I, I just, man, it just made me mad that I wasn't watching Paris, Texas. That's the biggest sin of Tender Mercies is that it's not Paris, Texas. Hmm. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it is. It's a bad movie. Yeah, I'm agreeing with that. It is. Oi. 
And I don't like Robert Duvall. Like, I'm sorry, but what's so special about him? He's not special. I've liked him in things, but he's... he's but, like, it's not like it's not like if he didn't exist or if he wasn't in movies, you'd be a different person. Like, yeah, there is no need for Robert Duvall. Anyways, the best picture lineup, other than The Big Show, you have The Dresser, The Right Stuff, Tender Mercies, and the winner is Adoy, Terms of Endearment. Um, thoughts here? <laughs> yeah, like I said, Tender Mercies, bad. Awful. Big chill. I'm glad we agree that Tender Mercies is the worst. Yes. And then we we probably agree more or less on the ranking. We kind of might. Because Big Chill is still my number four. Same. For as much as I like the movie. But we have very different variations of that number four. Yes. There, there's a much bigger gap uh, for you, or for me, between four and five than for you. Uh, yeah. Let's do number three in this lineup. I'm curious. The Dresser is my number three. The Dresser is my number three as well. And also, I think there's probably a bigger gap there, too, because I really liked The Dresser. It's okay. I see what it's doing. Very it's, hammy, but... I I compared it a lot to Sleuth, which I know we both love. Because... I don't know. It another... just feel, It has that 80s cinematography, but, like, to the max, like, ten times yeah. that, which is I feel, so yeah. unbearable for me. <laughs> I liked that in the sense that, like, you're, it's just a dusty theater in Britain and like the the color palette works to the movie's effect for that because you're just in this sort of like grimy dirty backstage oh and you can compare it to Sleuth because it got two lead actor nominations as well and also because I would I struggle between them both to see who I would (laughs) give the win I think Tom Courtney of these five nominees at least and I haven't seen all of that lineup is not not good I would probably get I struggled back and forth between Tom Courtney and Albert Finney because I think they're both giving really powerhouse performances here. I think I, I other- again I I just don't care. It's one yeah. of those situations, but it's fine. And then my number two is the right stuff. My number two is also the right my, stuff. My number which, one is Terms of Endearment, which which is so interesting to me because I don't love Terms of Endearment. I, I've never understood why it is so good. It to me is just a solid family relationship drama i don't see anything exceptional about it which i know is a hot take aside from shirley mclean who's really good i don't i don't really get get it it is definitely the best here it was inevitable that it was winning but yeah it's just kind of i don't really think about the movie ever yeah Um, it's (laughs) i i i kind of I don't feel the same way altogether, but it is a movie that I don't think about all the time. It and is... also, why did it win director? It, I think it's just one of those where it's tied. Yeah, it's so one well. of those sweeps. Director in the sense of good at directing your actors, more so than good at directing scope. Yeah, I'm mostly like... Omar Bergman. Bergman should have won. But if we're talking about these Best Picture nominees, I don't know how... Oh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who did the right stuff. He didn't get a nomination. He didn't get a nomination. That is and like that is like Dune getting snubbed this year. Yeah. Or <laughs> I mean, if you want a very directly comparable snub, it's like Ron Howard getting snubbed for Apollo eleven, Apollo thirteen, whichever yeah. one it was. I don't know why I can't remember which Apollo it was. I just think the director's branch is so fucking snobby. Why don't they like space? What do they have? They didn't nominate Ridley Scott for the Martian. <laughs> yeah. What do they have against space? That has to be it. 
that it's but, always but, been a pattern. But Quaron won for Gravity. So but Gravity it's was not a always. bigger contender. I don't know. I feel like the right stuff is that type of movie that before it came out, people thought this is our next, it was, best, next best picture winner. This and then is it was a be huge it. flop. And then it, it was, was a such huge, a flop that it just goes, flop. it just wins some technicals. It doesn't get a director or a screenplay nomination. At the Globes, it's only nominated for one award and that's best picture. So it's it's really just... And it, it's still won four Oscars, and that's big, but they're all the technicals. Um, yeah, well, ed- editing is a big one. Editing is a big one, but score, sound, sound effects, editing. It, it, it's very interesting to me that this was such a bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's not interesting. Like, it, it makes sense when you think about it's yeah. over three hours of very process-heavy space stuff. Like, it's not... It takes a while to get to the space stuff in that movie. <laughs> but... That's a movie that I, I generally really respect and I think is Me too. very fun. It, it, mo- it, do you know what is so us- interesting? It's it's considered this epic, but it has such a friendly tone. It does. Like the, there's no dr- interpersonal drama between the characters for the most part. It's mostly just like a the drama is, are we going to get these guys to space? Another space movie that got uh, snubbed across the board, First Man. They really just fucking oh, hate yeah. space. Exactly. They really, yeah. What do the Oscars have against space? Someone needs to find out this conspiracy. Yes. What is Maybe going some on astronaut here? fucked someone's wife that was a major <laughs> person in the Academy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, probably. And but we have the exact same ranking, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and it's interesting because we have such varied thoughts on these movies. Like, yeah. four out of these five, I have much stronger uh, praise for the movie. But, uh, you know, I'm glad we, we agree exactly on Tender Mercies. Tender By mercies. the way, that's such a funny title to me. <laughs> These are all like, what the fuck does the big chill mean? Think about it. Well, what the I, fuck? I get that title, but ready for the tagline for Tender Mercies? Oh boy. Sure. His fight for respect was just beginning. That's that's nothing. That's nothing. That's nothing. Hey. Guys, yeah. that's nothing. That's <laughs> I have nothing more to say. Just like that, I like what am I, I supposed to say beyond that's nothing? Because truly, it's just yeah. nothing. Oy, the eighties, the eighties, the best picture oh, nominees in the eighties. The eighties Oscars are it's probably the worst. It, it's you the look world. at the eighties and then you go to like the first year and like I'm scrolling through best picture lineups and then you just go to the first year that you see in the 70s and I'm looking at Kramer versus Kramer all that jazz apocalypse now breaking away in Norma Ray and I have to laugh because you you go from that and then to the 80s and there's just this 200 percent drop in well, quality <laughs> 1980 which we talked about when we did our uh, uh that was a good lineup though that's that a was good a- year because Elephant Man, Coal Miner's Daughter, Raging yeah. Bull, Ordinary People. Then you go to 1983 and 1984, and it is just embarrassing. As, like, truly, the like there are two, maybe three best picture winners of the 10 of the 80s. Oh, no, there's three, maybe four, I'll say. For me, there's one. That two. have, I just mean that, like, have a generally positive reception. Here's the thing. Amadeus is like the one. No, Amadeus is the best film of the whole decade. Like it is. Oh my god. Everyone agrees on. And everyone agrees that it's it's just a consensus. Terms of Endearment is probably object like outside of Twitter circles. That's probably the one that the average person. Yeah. No. And I I know a lot of parents like that movie. Yeah. 
and it's probably the one that has the second best general perception ordinary people yes a lot of people still attach the anti-raging yes. goal attachment to it which is why i wouldn't say it's like one of the top two in most people's minds but it's still really good and then when you look at it probably next is platoon and yeah like, man what a weird decade it is when yeah platoon no this is, is your such a fourth highest ranked best picture winner i wonder what's last i actually do Wait, yeah, that, I, I was is joking, like, but now is I'm it looking. Is it gonna be driving Miss Daisy, or is but it? Is it gonna be, be Gandhi? <laughs> is it gonna be out of Africa? Is it yeah, gonna be geez. fucking Rain Man? Is it gonna be the Last Emperor? There's oh like God. six movies that you could easily tell someone, "Hey, this is the worst Best Picture winner of the '80s," and, and they'll be fully believe you. They will believe you because those movies all have bad receptions. Generally, yeah, no. this is just oh, I. <sighs> Have I talked about the 80s yet on my show? I think so. I have to have, right? I've done like 20. I've been. I've talked about, I think maybe one, Married to the Mob, is I think still my only episode for the 80s. That's a good movie. That's a movie you should check out. Look look at this. I need to look through it. Now, Now I need to know the answer. I think I've, unless I've done another one that I've entirely forgotten about. Episodes ranked by decade 1980s. Yep, that's the only one I've done. Yeah. Out of uh 20 some 26, 27 now. How many have I of course the 70s, I assume, are the most popular, right? Uh, well, uh probably if I uh, well, okay. I'm just gonna go through this. I know this is your show, oh, but I'm go. gonna hijack it for a second. I've done five from the 2010s. I have you done statistics. I've done five. I'm just looking at my letterbox list right now, like going as we go. I've done five from the 2000s. I've done four from the 90s, one from the 80s, uh, five from the 70s, including your episode on the ruling class. Shout out, go uh, listen to that one. It's a very fun one. Uh, Loading. I have done three from the 60s, two from the 50s, and two from the 40s. Yep. It's It's a nice, it's, I haven't, like, leaned too hard on any one era so far. I feel like I've done a good spread as we go. Uh, anyway, enough about my show. Back to your show. I, I don't. I don't want to take up too yeah, much. I mean, I don't. I don't have anything else to add. I think yeah. we're in a, a big agreement on this. Man, I wish Silkwood got a Best Picture nomination. It must have been so close. Okay. Uh, do we think it was Silkwood or Fanny and Alexander? I think Silkwood because the Academy general members, because you have the writing and directors branch, which are obviously like elite who were yeah. putting Fanny Alexander high on their belts, but then everyone else, I don't think so. But Fanny and Alexander got a lot of below-the-line nominations and wins. It won Yes, but for... Silkwood getting that actress and editing is big. Yeah. The and editing. I think Silkwood was really popular. So I'm, I'm going to say Silkwood, and then definitely Fanny Alexander was, was seventh. Or, I mean, there was an yeah. argument for both. But they should have been, they should have been one and two. Yeah. What do, we, what do we think were the others? Do we want to do a full 10? Do we want to probably talk about... War Games? War Games, yeah, because it got did it also and get it was... editing as well as yes, screenplay? and I think cinematography too. That sounds right. Uh, let me pull hey, up. and then what else? Maybe I'm pulling up the list. Uh, any uh, well, maybe educating Rita because it got those two, yes, a hundred percent, and then two acting and uh, screenplay nomination. I don't think Ruben Rubin, even though that also no. got 
acting and screenplay nomination. I don't think that was. What about uh, like Return of the Jedi? That could have been. No, I don't think so. I'm kidding. So. I'm kidding. I think <laughs> Oh, Yentl. No, they yeah. hated Barbara Streisand. But in a, in a top 10, I think that's still, it gets five nominations. I think that's. Yeah, possible. maybe, maybe we'll never know the end. Do you think Cross Creek was close? Uh, well, it got those two acting nominations and two others, which I'm looking now. What were the other two nominations? It got a costume design nomination. And score. And score. It's a, it's a good score. I, I, don't, I don't know. know I don't be... know what was the 10th slot. I'm going to just uh, say. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know what? Flashdance. Oh, my God. Flashdance, which, yeah, it's the song winner. Also a nominee in editing and cinematography. Mm-hmm. That's I, I actually that's kind of I kind of would have nominated Educating Rita. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I could I could see Educating Rita's good. Any of those five uh, making uh, a year of ten with obviously uh, Silkwood and Fanny and Alexander Lee and Educating Rita. Yeah, Educating Rita Yentl, and then what are we? I saying? would have put if I were doing this. I would say. Fanny and Alexander, Silkwood, Educating Rita, War Games, and Terms of Endearment. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh if we're just doing year as a whole, I'd say Fanny and Alexander, uh, The Right Stuff, Terms of Endearment, King of Comedy. Oh, the, oh of course. Yeah, yeah take King Terms of, of Endearment out and put that in. King of Comedy, which doesn't get any nominations, but should have. Should and have. then uh, what else? Just looking through my own personal lists, if there's anything like way off track. Return of the Jedi. I, I, <laughs> I might put the big chill. No, no, the dresser, the dresser over the big. Okay. Chill. Yeah. Interesting. Dress, wow. So I, I guess I keep three for five, and then add in King of Comedy and Fanny and Alexander. Nice. Yeah, yeah but not, not a great not, year. It's really not. Not. It's it's a. Like it, Wait, let me look at the foreign film category. I'm sure that that category was significantly yeah, better. I think Fanny and Alexander was eligible the year before, so that's why it's not. No, it won. It won that oh, year. Oh, did it? Okay. Well, never mind. I'm. I'm yeah, you're off. thinking of the immigrants. I'm thinking of a bunch of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fanny and Alexander, and then a bunch of stuff I have not seen. Oh. Not my favorite year at the Oscars. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's I, my concluding I would, note. I would I would be genuinely surprised if anyone said this was their favorite year of the Oscars. Oh, yeah. The 1983 Literally. lineup, best best of all time. Oh, my. There's something about threes that's interesting to me. So, two, 2000. Awesome. Listen, I'm going to go through all this. 2013, great lineup. 2003, my least favorite best picture lineup of all time. Interesting. 1993. That's, that's, yeah. 1993. Very surprising. 1993? Yeah. Oh, I'm not a fan of Lord of the Rings. I think that, that's... I'm, I'm not a huge fan of <laughs> 1993, great lineup. 1983, awful lineup. 1973, great lineup. 1963... is such a weird year. 1963, yeah. awful lineup. 1953, great lineup. So it's, it's on yeah. and off with the threes. I wonder what next year is going to be like. Oh, boy. It'll probably I... be bad because, because of this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we will, yeah, we will but that, find that's, out soon enough. That's my that's my concluding note. Anything else? Yeah, I was I, uh, no, truly, I have nothing more to say. This is definitely chill. the longest podcast to ever exist about the Big Chill. That's I I would not be surprised. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, 
but where could people we've, find you uh, oh you can yeah i was just gonna say we've probably been talking about as long as the movie right yeah maybe yeah. uh you can find well first you can find my podcast on twitter and yes. letterboxd at uh lone acting noms i talk about movies that only got one oscar nomination and that nomination was for one of the acting categories this year's nominee is spencer uh oh yeah so i will eventually be talking about that but i've 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 been doing that about as long as Sam's been doing this show, and uh, I've I he's been on the show. I've been on this show before. You know, go go check that out, and then you can find my Twitter at uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yes. Yeah. I I don't have anything else to plug. I have other links from there. You'll you'll find it. Yes, I am on Twitter at Sam the Parasite Letterbox Sam Meltzer. Please review and rate this podcast on whatever podcast service you use. And thank you all for listening.